0: Out there, and welcome to Between Two Worlds, a podcast about belief, unbelief, and everything in between. I'm your host, Scott Trout, here with a first time ever feedback episode. We're bringing a guest back on to unpack their previously done episodes, mainly because uh, this specific guest and those specific episodes have generated quite the controversy in my small pond of people. Um, this is none other than my brother, Casey Trout, back on the podcast, uh, and we're going to be unpacking both of his episodes because both of his episodes have happened to offend all sorts of people. It's amazing. It's amazing, Casey. And I wanted to say thank you for jumping back on with me.
1: Well, thanks for having me back. Um, after uh after it's been determined that i'm just a little heretic I'm, i think it's very brave of you to bring me back on
0: <laughs> this is uh this is your one shot of redeeming yourself case <laughs> better make it count otherwise the pitchforks are coming out and, and everyone in amsterdam to come hunt you down find you christians and non-christians alike um <clears throat> no i i'm very excited about this episode case and uh uh, who who is chatting? Through? Oh, I, I I had someone ask like, you know, um, is this the type of thing that you can do with your brother? And there's not going to be like hurt feelings, like you know, uh, when you get mad on the episode, like does that affect the relationship? And I said, no, it really doesn't. And my brother and I, and all my brothers, uh, we are just used to talking through things this way and really going head to head with ideas and, um, yeah. I, how would you articulate it? I just feels like we have a family that talks through things. We, everything is on the table.
1: Yeah, I think relationship is more important to us than ideas. I wish it was that way for everybody else. Um, but it seems like for everybody else, it's the ideas that someone holds that determines the relationship, not the relationship mm-hmm. being above uh, people's ideas. Um, I'm loyal to people, not to ideas. If you mm. prove my idea wrong, then I will change my ideas. But I'm loyal to you. I'm loyal to a person. It's actually really sad that people operate different than that.
0: Mm. Which I love how you just said that, and it frees us up to be really passionate, to get heated, to to passionately, heatedly talk about ideas, but to not, but to know that that's not going to shatter um, the relationship. Just like you said, and when things get messy which it has in our family often is when it gets personal and someone gets like a personal attack and it moves away from the ideas and it moves actually to the person themselves. So, um, so what I love about you, you and I can, we, we talked about so many different things and uh, I always feel the freedom to both ask questions, but also to push back and yeah, you're just always down. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so case right, right off the bat, uh as you reflect on your two episodes we'll get into some specifics i've got some feedback from listeners literally all over the world very exciting uh but i'm curious just from your end as you think about your two episodes is there anything that you feel like you wish you would have said differently would have clarified um
1: yeah well uh not really i mean ultimately because um for those who want to understand, they'll seek clarification. For those who want to take someone, um, I don't know, and just um, take their what they're saying out of context and, and hear what they want to hear, then they're going to do that. I think it really comes down to, I want to develop relationships with people who sleep, seek clarity, which means that they'll ask you to clarify if they find something confusing or wrong or not what they expected. Um, so I don't really, I don't really worry about saying things inaccurately um, or not optimally hmm. because for the people that actually matter, they'll just ask for clarification.
0: Hmm. Well, and, and I think that rings true. I think the responses are largely off of people taking a phrase you said, or like one moment, um, or honestly things that they just misheard. They're like, is he saying this? And then they're reacting off the thing that they think you're saying. Um, and of course they don't have a chance to interview you, like you, they're just listening to a podcast, but yeah, uh, in many instances, uh, I'm like, yeah, I think you just missed it. I think you missed what he was trying to say. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe Casey could have worded it differently, but ultimately, yeah, I think that's, more the responsibility on the on the listener of to listen well and then to see, see clarity.
1: But that sounds like what they're doing. Like they're asking questions and they're wanting to know more, which yeah. is awesome. Like that's, that's actually what I like. I think there's probably people who listen to the podcast and then just never comment or have a question, but don't ask it or come up with a conclusion, but they don't put it in there for the d- discussion. And I think that's a loss for them. But the people who actually respond, um, that's ex- that's exactly what they're supposed to do, and that's really mm-hmm. cool.
0: Well, and and that's why I'm really glad actually to have this feedback moment, this this kind of third episode, and would love to do this with any of my guests, um, because it seems like people listen to something, and then they kind of have an initial reaction. Wow, like I really disagreed with this one part, and it either just stays there, or maybe they throw something up on social media, like I really disagreed with this. But this moment for yeah, to, to seek more clarity, to ask follow-up questions. I feel like that's a really important key, key thing to just kind of say, hey, you said this. Did you mean it that way? Did you mean it this way? And just to have that, that further clarity. Well, let's dive in then. Um, so you had two episodes. The first one, you were unpacking equality under the law and how that specific idea, not just equality, but equality codified under the law, especially in when it relates to race and sex um is something that has had its origin in Christianity and you said it's a Christian miracle you unpack what the definition of a miracle is and how though those things are contrary to human nature they're contrary to human history and um, have come about as a result of Christianity's influence on uh, on history on human minds and societies um, <clears throat> the feedback I've mostly gotten from that episode is from listeners who aren't Christian, who, who, yeah, largely see this as an oversimplification of history. They Mm -hmm. say, yeah, you've handpicked some thinkers conveniently and have found a thread and uh, you've even shown that they've quoted each other. And, and that has led you to then point to some significant documents in the U S and some significant moments towards equality in the U S and therefore you've, you've pointed to Christianity as this impetus, but they'd say it's a, an exaggeration, um, and, and convenient in how you've picked it.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, um, if they disagree, then the, then they need to provide some evidence. I guess I would just ask them provide a, uh, a culture, a non-Christian culture uh, that has produced legal equality in race, sex, and class, um, or even two of those areas. Um, uh, I'll even grant that. uh, I would be even impressed with that if they got two out of three. Um, Show a culture that's done that that's not Christian. Um, I guess, you know, The point I was making is that it is only Christian nations that have accomplished uh, legal equality in those areas. And as far as the reasons why I felt like that was because of Christianity was those are the prime movers at every stage in the march towards equality. So if you look at every single mover, like Martin Luther King, um, uh, people like, um, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Going back to Martin Luther and, and Calvin, um, the main movers towards equality uh, were, were Christians, and um, you know you ha- we have their quotes. I mean, if if you want, it's actually and you know it's also interesting is uh, the most quoted people in the in the de- by the founding fathers that aren't that aren't specifically Christian. Um, that are like the secular people they're quoting, their books are secular, actually have very positive things to say about Christianity and its influence on the march towards equality. So just the broad scope of it is Christian. um, And you don't really see uh, a deviation from that. Um, In fact, the more research you do, the, the further it just becomes inevitable that the conclusion is this was a Christian work from beginning to end.
0: So one of the things that I want clarification on is what do you mean by Christian nation? Cause I could totally see someone, especially here in the Netherlands be like, we were at one point, maybe a nation that was based on Christian values, Christian thought, Christian leaders. Uh, and, and that is certainly true here in the Netherlands, but they could say we aren't anymore. And those moments of uh, significant progress in terms of equality happened as the country became more secular. So they would point to maybe the sixties. Yeah. Post-World War II. And they would say, that's when um, equality for, for women started to occur. That's when equality for uh, other nations, that's when. um, And so they said, it's actually as the, shell of christianity fell away equality started to move at a much quicker pace so so i think a non christian would point to um okay they'd say one they'd probably say this is a multifaceted um pro- uh, progression it's not just one thing leading so they'd say sure christianity has had its hand in equality coming about um but they'd say, so does the Renaissance and coming back to ancient Greek and Roman values. And so does um, many revolutions that have, have rocked uh, the European continent, the French revolution and um, Russian revolution. And so they would, so maybe they would point to these different things. These are all forces that have had play in our current state of affairs, which totally makes sense. It's not like, you can say, this is the only cause of where we're at now, all things have come together. And then they would say, uh, if anything, as they look at maybe the medieval ages, the time post the Roman Empire, the Ro- the Holy Roman Catholic Church, you know, these are all forces that in- inhibited um, progress known as the Dark Ages for that reason. And that and so they would say if there's any ringing truth, it's that the church dampened the fight for equality or um, progress.
1: Okay. Well, you know, I can actually probably come halfway to them on that. Um, Yeah, actually, I'd say a lot of Christians, a lot of the institutions of the church, of the Christian church have been against progress in many, many areas. Um, But that's not what makes Christianity unique. This is kind of the part that everybody misses. That's common to all of humanity. All of the institutions of humanity have been making progress uh, not happen. It's only Christianity that has made progress move forward. So you can point to Christianity and say, oh, okay, Christianity has um, been hypocritical and and uh, blocked progress in, in, uh, in, in the areas that we're looking at. Uh, But what you're not, what you're ignoring is that so has everybody else. The only thing that's different is the fact that Christianity has actually advocated for change.
0: Wait. Okay. So, I mean, I could just hear them saying, well, that's just a mighty assertion and we'll just have to take your word for it kind of thing. Um, And they're like, we don't want to take it.
1: Right. So I wouldn't want them to take my word for it. I've actually got a lineup of quotes. Um, I actually think if Scott, if you don't, if you, if you don't mind, it'd be interesting to just read a couple of these, just to give people a sense of what we're looking at here.
0: Sure. And if there's a, yeah, in our show notes, or we could try to link to the totality of what you've got together or something, but yeah. 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 If you've got some significant okay. quotes, go for it.
1: So um, here's uh, so these are people even that, that people wouldn't even really consider Christian, but this is what they had to say. Benjamin Franklin, whoever shall introduce into public affairs, the print, the principles of primitive Christianity will change the face of the world forever. John Adams, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. Here's Thomas Jefferson. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure, when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated, but by, with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. Um, here's Abraham Lincoln. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must be. Needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses cometh. If we shall suppose that the American slavery is one of those offenses, which in the providence of God must need needs come, but which having continued through his appointed time, he now wills to remove and that he gives to both the North and the South, this terrible war as the woe due to those by whom the offense came, shall we discern therein any departure from those divine attributes which the believers in a living God always ascribe to him. Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet if God wills that it continues until all the wealth piled up by the bondsmen for 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with a sword. As was said 3,000 years ago, so still must it be set. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. And then now here's Martin Luther King. He said, oh God, help us to walk together, to pray together, sing together, live together until the day when all God's children, black, white, red, and yellow, will rejoice in one common band of humanity in the kingdom of our Lord. Amen. And also Martin Luther King, I just want to do God's will and he's allowed me to go to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that as, that we as a people will get to the promised land." So um, I could go on. I've got stuff from Montesquieu, from uh, Blackstone, which would be interesting for those who want more secular writer uh, people that were quoted by the founders. But the point making that I'm making is the people who moved the stone towards equality, the actual people who put their lives in the service of attaining equality, gave credit to God and gave credit to Christianity. Um, It's the Christian God that inspired them. They're very clear about that.
0: Um, hmm. Some of those were pretty interesting. Some of the wording, I was like, okay, wait, what is Abraham Lincoln trying to say here? Um, uh, Yeah. uh, So those are pretty interesting, but I could see the argument of, you've just given us three founding fathers of America, the one president that everyone knows in America and the civil rights leader in America that um, is from America, obviously. Um, And so, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, mean,
1: yeah, so, so, but I could have done more than that. I could have, um, I mean, have people watched Amazing Grace? Like the the which people the, from what's
0: that? just yeah, it's the story of William Wilberforce, and right. he was the like, um, British uh, MP who who facilitated the ch- change of uh, and, yeah taking away slavery from the British Empire.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think they want to roll the dice on whether he was a Christian. Yeah, he yeah he's very. Was. And was Thank he one you. of the prime movers in, in uh, the move towards equality? Yes, he was. So they have a huge mountain of, of, of um, evidence that they're going to have to un, uh, undo or, or, or tear down in order to, to disrupt the claim that Christianity was the, the underlying current that drove people towards equality. Um, and then they have to present what did. So not only do they have to tear down all of this evidence of that all of these prime movers were Christian and inspired by Christianity, but then they have to show what actually did move uh, the Western cultures towards Christianity, just unlike other cultures in the past.
0: You mean towards equality?
1: Yeah. And I don't see that they have ever even attempted to show what actually would have would have done that you still have to answer the question of why an alien anthropologist watching from space is watching humanity do human things which is being racist sexist classist for all of their existence and then suddenly seeing in the space of of um 500 years or 200 years everything just flipped everything just changed he has to give some kind of reason but the people who are critical don't even attempt that and I think it's because there isn't any answer.
0: Well, okay. So um, what, would, what would you say, Case, then, to that it took, like, what, if, if Christianity is the impetus, why did it take nearly 1,700 years? Why, why, what, what was happening in those 1,700 years that was not working so well? And, and I think they would say it was the emergence of rationalism, naturalism secular thought. Mm-hmm. So they would say it, the enlightenment, that's what really got things moving. And they'd say that is not just a Christian thing, the enlightenment. Um, and, no. and again, they, they might not dispute that, that you, that these thinkers who are proponents of equality um, were Christian, but they'd say, but, it's, but that doesn't just prove that it's all because of Christianity. And I know you're not necessarily saying it's all because of Christianity, but the burden of proof really still remains on you to say, it's majority because of Christianity. They might say it's a thread in the tapestry that created equality. It might be multiple threads, a significant thread in the tapestry that created equality under the law, but not the only thread. And, and uh, I don't know if they would say you, you've really gotten us um, on it's the majority thread. So yeah, respond to both of those things. They would say it's just one thread in the many causes and then what about the whole 1,700 years um, where equality wasn't seen? Feudalism was, was in place.
1: Right. Well, I think when someone says 1,700 years, I, I guess they're implying that that's a long time, but in, in the, the grand the scope time. of human history, that's a blink of an eye. It's literally
0: but, changing overnight. Yeah, but I mean, you still—it still needs to be addressed. Like, there's a ton of human history where Christian thought, it—and and it's not even like Christian thought. Like, it's not like, like we're saying, "Oh, well, Christianity got—they started getting it right right around Martin Luther's time." Well, that seems like a weird stance because then you're like, "Okay, so Christians for the majority of the time frame that Christianity's been in existence were getting it wrong," and then jumped cut to Martin Luther, jump cut to America. Like, it just seems. Like there's a huge swath of history that's not being addressed. Well,
1: I guess um, things don't happen immediately. There is an evolution to things. Uh, I use the image of putting um, tea in a teapot. It doesn't steep immediately. It takes time. So I guess when people say, you know, why don't things happen immediately? Why, when you plant the seed, doesn't the flower sprout Immediately take things take time, but the fact is it did happen and it never happened before you have to account for that I've given my reasons um, But the people who say well, that's not the reason there there needs to be a reason for this because it's absolutely Unprecedented and it needs an explanation um,
0: So what's unprecedented uh, sorry, what's unprecedented
1: the unprecedented is the the change towards equality that hasn't ever happened in in human history and specifically in legal equality in the in the areas of race, sex, and class, that has not happened.
0: Hmm. Um, um, I'm also curious, Case. What would you say to places like Latin America? So here's uh, an area of the world where Christianity uh, was colonized, just as any other place, especially in North America. Um, but to my knowledge, I could totally be fact checked on this as well. But um, Catholic nations aren't seeing the similar degrees of equality that um, maybe Northern European or uh, Western European or, or America. I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to talk in these terms, but um, you know, so they, so a non-Christian could say, look, Christianity there, Christianity here. And they're trying to pin you because the minute you say, well, oh, it's not that type of Christianity. They're like, well, then you can't argue for Christianity.
1: Well, I haven't done enough research into, Um, Latin America or Catholic nations. Um, So I wouldn't really be able to say uh, it, but the point that people are making that, um, that you can point to a Christian, someone who claims to be Christian, but is promoting something like slavery or promoting something like, um, you know, a distinction between different classes and having an aristocracy or something like that. Basically pointing out that there's hypocritical Christians does nothing to uh, say that Christianity wasn't the prime mover in actually making those changes. And I think that they're kind of stumbling over themselves with that point because Christianity can make a positive change whilst also making negative changes but the other religions of the world and the other cultural movements have only made negative changes in the areas of class, race, and sex, or they've kept the status quo. Only Christianity has made a move in the positive direction. So pointing out that it's hypocritical and sometimes moves in the negative direction does nothing to diminish the point that it has moved things in a positive direction, which no one else has.
0: Hmm. And I guess the evidence of this is if you look at uh, I, I like the teabag analogy, um, cause it is quite interesting that, uh, there's cultural centers of, that are the origins of certain religions. Some of them have never really left. India continues to be the cultural center for Hinduism. Um, it is where it originated and it is by far where you can see it still at work, still the governing principle of that country. Um. And similar to the Middle East, um, Mecca, Saudi Arabia, and, and outflow from there is has been the origin and the epicenter of Islam. And Islam has, has moved into Northern Africa and all the way to Indonesia and, and far reaches, but its epicenter has remained the same. And then um, Christianity's epicenter is interesting because I do feel like it's shifted. Um, and maybe that's the uniqueness of Christianity. Maybe we could dive into that. But it uh, started in Jerusalem, obviously, um, and then its epicenter started to move north to Syria, Antioch, moved over to modern-day Turkey, modern-day Greece, into Rome, from there uh, integrated itself into the Roman Empire when it ultimately became a Christian empire, and then from there all over Europe um, and, and West and, and Northern Europe. Um, so I, I feel like some of the evidence for what you're saying is if these epicenters are the teabags that have seeped the longest in these religions. So the, the Hindu teabag, this is crass language, forgive us anyone. Um, but that has seeped the longest is India. And so then you would, so then you could look at, well, what is the outcome of this religion working itself over century after century? Um, and, and I think that is the, the best evidence for what you're saying is where do we see the greatest levels of equality in the world? We don't have to shy away from this. Like there, it is very clear where women actually have equal rights, where uh, there is no distinction between rich and poor um, and where maybe not perfect, but distinction between uh, races is also codified under the law as being equal. Again, like I think there's some people argued, hey, we still got plenty to do in christian nations and that is true but if you compare how does this nation to this nation to this nation i think it shows that um i mean you could even just ask the question like where would you rather be a woman in um maybe maybe sounds bad like in saudi arabia in india or in the netherlands where would you rather be um yeah a woman and where would you feel like you have the most rights and Uh, can do what you want, can drive a car, can go see a movie, can marry who you want, uh, can get divorced, can uh, have legal rights under the law, can be represented, can have a voice in the court case room. So all these different things. It's overwhelmingly in, as you're saying, these nations that have been seeped in Christianity.
1: Right. And I think the point that um, some of your viewers were were making which I feel like we addressed somewhat in the previous podcast, but of course we everyone was drinking through a fire hose, was the uh the idea that it wasn't Christianity, it was the enlightenment that mm. that um pushed these ideals forward. Um so yeah that 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 it wasn't Christian thinkers it was enlightenment thinkers. Um and in the previous podcast, I made the point that there's really two, two enlightenments happening simultaneously. And, and one of them was more located in America uh, with the founding fathers and with their predecessors, um, with their philosophical and, and um, pastoral predecessors. There was an enlightenment happening in America. And historians even call this the American enlightenment. And then there's the European enlightenment which is a lot more secular, although peppered with Christians still. Um, So I made the point in the previous podcast that the European enlightenment, which is largely secular, uh, led to some good things, um, but that it largely led to, uh, to communism and to uh, fascism, that those were the, the natural, uh, conclusions from the thought that was being produced in the enlightenment in Europe. And I gave some names like Spinoza, Hume, Kant, Hegel, Hegel, Führerbach, Marx, Nietzsche. um, And that those people then result, the thoughts that they produced resulted in Hitler, Lenin, Stalin, and Mao. Um, And uh, I think that it's a, it's a point that is uncomfortable for people and, and they don't like it. But when you look at these writers and these thinkers, they all are working off of each other's work. Um, Hegel is working off of Kant. Kant is working off the work of Hume. All of them are working off the work of Spinoza. Um, you know, Feuerbach is the, is the mind baby of, of, um, of Hegel, uh, Nietzsche is the and Marx are the mind babies of, um, of Feuerbach. Uh, it's actually interesting to read the quotes from these guys talking about their predecessors.
0: Do you have some uh, it's, almost,
1: it's almost worshipful. Yeah. So um, this is what Marx had to say about Feuerbach. Marx says Feuerbach is the only one who has a serious critical attitude to the he- Hegelian dialectic and who has made genuine discoveries in this field. He is in fact, the true conqueror of the old philosophy. The extent of his achievement and the unpretentious simplicity with which he, Fuerbach, gives it to the world stand in striking contrast to the opposite attitude of others. Wow, that's pretty glowing praise. What did Feuerbach have to say about Hegel? I stand to you, Hegel, in the special relationship of an immediate disciple to his teacher, inasmuch as for two years I have attended your lectures in Berlin and may thereby attest to the high esteem and veneration due to my teacher, which I gladly acknowledge as my duty. But at the same time, this very relationship engenders in me a certain timidity in the presenting of my work. For if a disciple's high esteem and veneration for his teacher are attested and expressed not by external actions and speech or sentiments, but only through works. This is possible only through the work, works executed in the spirit of the teacher, worthy of a disciple, fulfilling the demands ordinarily placed on one as an immediate disciple. So Fuerbach saw himself as a disciple of Hegel, um, and then you know Hegel has things to say about Spinoza and Hume and Kant. Uh, he says the fact is that Spinoza is made a testing point in modern philosophy so that it may be really said, you either are a Spinozist or not a philosopher at all. Um, He said about Hume, Humean skepticism should be well distinguished from Greek skepticism. Hume assumes a basic truth of the empirical of feeling of intuition from that base contest general determinations and laws because they lack justification from sense perception ancient skepticism was so far from making feeling and intuition, the principles of truth that on the contrary, it turned first of all against the senses. Um, um, anyway, I could go on, but
0: I, I, I can tell. Uh, <laughs> so case, did you address the, the point that I put up? Cause I think people would say nice quotes, nice thoughts. Um, and And again, they would say, like, like take someone like Spinoza, many people jumped off the the thoughts of Spinoza, including Locke, who uh, Thomas Jefferson jumped off the shoulders of. And so that would, for me, illustrate that there's not a purity. It's not like the Slytherin line of lineage. You know, it's not like this pure, only Christians listening to Christians have developed awesome thoughts it's just this mash It's this. And that's why talking about history is so hard. Another one of our listeners just sent this like, I, you know, feedback of like trying to summarize history is incredibly hard and specifically to, to come up with causation. You might be able to show correlation, but not necessarily causation. And so in a multifaceted formula of how we got to the present day moment and the present day uh pro- Progress that we've we've landed on. There's no way to find one source, and it's just like I've mentioned, a tapestry of which Christianity is just one thread. So, how would you respond to that?
1: Well, I would say that's um, pretty cynical of them, just to say, "Well, we just can't know." Well, there's just no way we can know where any of the thoughts we have came from. Uh, that it's impossible to make a genealogy tree of thought. Hmm. um i guess i would feel kind of sad for them it's kind of like they're just a wash in the ocean just floating about unable to know where they're headed and where they came from uh i actually don't think it's that tough um i think that kind of cynicism is borders on cowardice you've actually got to be able
0: just because they don't want to engage they don't want to do the work of looking into things
1: right they don't want to do the work and they don't want to ever put themselves on out on a limb and make some conclusions use some critical thought um but, connect some dots right i think you know i'm not choosing uh people that are completely off the beaten path that no one's ever heard of these right. are the biggest names in the movement of thought these are the biggest names in the enlightenment uh these are the biggest names of the pedigree of of thought leading towards Marx and pedigree of thought leading towards Nietzsche. Um, These aren't just like some random little side influence. These were their main influences. They wrote works based off of the previous thoughts of of their predecessors. Mm -hmm. Um, So to just take these guys and say, uh, you can't say anything about them is probably, is to me saying you can't say anything about uh, history, period. You can't say anything about where we came from. And yeah. to me, that's a really sad, nihilistic way of looking at things.
0: And they wouldn't say you can't say anything about them. They would just say it's not as clear cut as you're making it. It's not that simple, and and it makes me wonder, case, what credit would you give to a secular humanist in in the advancement of progress? Because I know that they're again, I would point to Spinoza. He he's one of those crossroads where multiple people came out of his thought thought process. I give so, a lot of credit
1: to the European enlightenment um, to, to a lot of the thinkers for a lot of the ideas we have in human government and um, what a democracy looks like and how to fashion a constitution um, such that uh, we have the best chance of governing a large populace of people. But in the area of equality between races, between sexes and class, I give the credit largely to Christianity and to Christian thinkers. I'd say that pastors uh, pre-enlightenment in in America were one of the prime movers towards people having a concept of equality, having a concept that they were equal to someone else, um, Mm -hmm. that they should both have the the right to be treated equally, despite Mm -hmm. being born rich versus poor, despite being born of one race versus another, um, or one sex versus another that people had the idea that they were all priests before God and that they all were going to meet God on the same playing field.
0: Hmm. Yeah. There's a phrase. Right.
1: Right, And the basic idea being that righteousness didn't, didn't um, hold any weight as, as to what race you were, what sex you were, what class you were, that righteousness was, was based in how you responded to God.
0: And so the Christians that were using their Christianity as a means of oppression towards other people, exactly on the, on those lines, uh, it's a white person's privilege under God to have a Negro slave kind of thing. Um, what would you say about those instances? Because they're, they're plentiful.
1: Right. But I would what, just what say, would you say
0: about their Christianity or, or their,
1: I would say they're being hypocritical that they're not practicing a true Christianity. That's why the the reformation happened, not for that specific reason, but that happened because they felt that Christians were being hypocritical. I mean there wouldn't be a, re- a reformation needed if everyone was practicing Christianity to the satisfaction of the purists. But when the purists came along and they said, "No, this really isn't Christianity." A reformation
0: ensued. Um, and so for the critic who says so yeah, this is maybe just a simple thing, but they say so. You can't say look at all these bad examples. Therefore, there's no correlation. You would say uh, there's plenty of bad examples throughout history. You have to look at the people who followed the letter, the 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 text, or something. Like how would you? you well,
1: know? I mean, it doesn't even matter if you think they're following the text or not, the point I'm simply making is the only people who ever push things in the right direction are professed Christians, uh, that they profess themselves to be Christian. It doesn't matter if you think they're Christian or if you think they're being hypocritical or not, they don't profess themselves to be of any other religion. Um, they profess themselves to be Christian. So that mm-hmm. would make the case that, that it is their Christianity is the common thread. The fact that they are inspired by Christianity,
0: but it certainly muddies it. I can just so see from a non-Christian's perspective, they're like, "Yeah, but if it's just certain people claiming, and if you're trying to like weigh the scales, and it's like you've got some really awesome examples, but few who actually took balls to like make progress for equality, um, Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King Jr. Who, yeah, um, but then you've got like so many more scale." weight on the other side of Christians who use their Christianity as a means of oppression or violence or genocide or you know whatever the case might be like I could see it from their standpoint to say well if we're going to just use examples it seems more weighted in the other side
1: um more weighted on the other side
0: like the proof is in the pudding type thing it's like Look, if we're looking at how Christians have have predominantly acted throughout history, it seems like the majority thread is in line with using their Christianity for political power, for oppression of others, and for inequality.
1: I guess that would only prove that, that humans are largely hypocrites, that humans have a tendency towards being hypocrites. But as to my point, which seems completely separate, my point is that it is only christianity that has moved things forward in in the realm of equality under the law for race sex and class it's only and no one has tried, no one has proven that wrong
0: i mean spinoza now, spinoza is- when you say only i would say it's spinoza spinoza is one of those examples that immediately pops that so that's why you shouldn't say the word only you should say the major the major players it's not only because you've already conceded that there's been humanists who have made progress but yeah, I feel like maybe you just need some better words here because I, when you're making the argument of only, then you have the burden of proof to say it's only and there's no other contributor. I think you're recognizing there's other contributors, but it's a, a much easier thing to prove or, or, or possible to prove that it's the, the, the major contributor has been Christian.
1: Sure, I'd be fine with major contributor.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, that Yeah, feels like an easier thing. Right. Um, I'd be happy
1: to answer you know, follow-up questions, whatever. Um, Or even if someone wants to email me a question, I'm fine with that too.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Case. I think that's a great place to end our part one. And uh, we're going to jump into your second episode in the part two here, where you unpacked your story of faith and how you found the Orthodox faith out of the ashes of Protestantism. So listeners, stick around for that. We're going to take a quick break here and then come on back. Casey, thank you so much for being here. If you would like to reach out to Casey directly, you can email him. We'll put that in the show notes. He would love to hear your questions directly to him. As always, you can reach out to us here at Between Two Worlds. Follow us on Instagram at Between Two Worlds Podcast, as well as on Facebook. You can reach out to us on email as well at Between Podcast at gmail.com. For all you out there, this has been Between Two Worlds a podcast about belief, unbelief, and everything in between. I'm your host, Scott Trout. Thank you for listening.